0: Welcome to HCS Talks. I'm your host, Superintendent of Hampton City Schools, Raymond Haynes. We're just starting out a new Hampton City Schools podcast. It is designed to educate, inform, and hopefully entertain our community and beyond. We will talk about a lot of different topics related to education, students, teachers, support staff, parents, programs and initiatives, community partnerships, and more. Some of it will just be informative no matter who you are. So we hope you will stay tuned and keep listening to HCS Talks. For today, we're going to stop in and visit our Deputy Superintendent and Chief of Staff's office, Dr. John Caggiano. So, Dr. Caggiano, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Dr. Haynes, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. A little bit about myself. This is my beginning, my 29th year in education. Quite some time. I think uh, you're beginning your 29th year as well, right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, 29 years in education. All of four, all but four, have been with Hampton City Schools. So I began in the role of a classroom teacher at Paul Burbank Elementary back in the day, grades four and five. I taught grades four and five and then was encouraged to get into administration and so pursued a master's degree and uh, eventually assumed an assistant principal role at uh, Sims Middle School, Benjamin Sims Middle School, under the direction of uh, Mr. Anthony Woods, who was a principal at the time. So I spent a few years with Mr. Woods and then went back to the elementary level to become a principal at Francis Asbury Elementary. Did that for a few years and then went back to the middle school. Uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Woods' wife, Dr. Donna Woods, both mentors of mine. She went. Uh, she was the principal at Sims. Went to Kickapoo High School, and then I followed her behind her at Sims Middle School as the principal, and was there for a few years. And uh, actually, then went over to Allawade County and spent four years there as a principal of a four, five, six school before coming back to Hampton in an executive director of school leadership role, where I oversaw elementary schools, and then. For the previous eight years, I was the deputy superintendent for curriculum instruction and assessment. And then just this new this year, assuming a new role, deputy superintendent and chief of staff, obviously looking forward to working closely with you as our new superintendent of schools. And really, uh, my job is to be your right hand, as you know.
0: I'm looking forward to it as well. Our paths have been very similar. We've had Also have similar mentors, Dr. Donna Woods and Mr. Anthony Woods have been and continue to be great role models and mentors for me. And looking at how our past mirrored with being elementary principals together, middle school principals together, and then serving in roles as executive directors together. So I have enjoyed our partnership and relationship over the years, and and I am looking forward to this school year starting in our new roles, me as superintendent, of course, you as deputy superintendent and chief of staff. But before we get more into the podcast, and sure for the audience, this is my very first podcast. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, this morning when I picked up my phone and looked at something on Twitter, it said, you can't make your 100th anything without making your first, so start. And it says... Your first workout will be bad. Your first podcast will be bad. Nice. That brought about all types of anxieties for me. Your first speech will be bad. Your first video will be bad. Your first anything will be bad, but you can't make your 100 without making your first. So put your ego aside and start. So after I read that, I had a little angst, a little anxiety, but it also just simply meant we just needed to get in here and start the conversation and hopefully share some good good and great things about Hampton City Schools. (laughs) Well,
1: thanks for having me on as your first as well, so I guess we'll learn together. This is my first podcast
0: as well, even though I'm not hosting, so I appreciate the opportunity to share. (laughs) Yes, sir. So, we have known each other for quite some time, Um, so I know there's more about you that you didn't mention, so tell us a little bit about what you like to do, I guess, sort of kind of in your free time or when you have some time to yourself. Sure,
1: yeah, so um, I'm big into sports. In fact, I was not even an education major back in the day. I was a finance major in, in college. A lot of folks don't know that about me. I know you know that about me. And I was actually coaching boys basketball here in the Fox Hill Association and was having a ball working with students, uh, young people, and my wife was like, Well, why don't you quit your job and, and, and go become a teacher? I said, Really? She <laughs> said, Yeah. So, um, you know, I took her advice and did that. And uh, Marietta Brown was a principal at Burbank at the time, and uh, she encouraged me. She said, Hey, before you go this route, why don't you come here and volunteer, see if this is really what you want to do? And so, uh, again, fell in love with teaching and very fortunate that um, she hired me for my first teaching position. So say all that to say, I am a big sports background. I, I stay active. I, I love to uh, swim, bike, run, and spend time in the woods and uh, fishing as well. So those are things that help uh, bring the blood pressure down and uh, keep me grounded. And I think it is, you know, we've had these conversations a number of times, but having that, that work-life balance is important to me. Uh, I've got a family, my wife Stephanie. Uh, We actually celebrated our 29th uh, wedding anniversary yesterday, and uh, two kids. I've got a a girl who'll be uh, graduating from Virginia Tech uh, this December, and then uh, a boy, my son, Ethan, so Catherine, and then Ethan is a sophomore in high school.
0: Wow, wow. So I also know about your being designated as an Ironman. What is that about?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned the swim, bike, run piece. I uh, did some triathlons back in the day and still, still do a little bit of training, but yeah, I had the chance in 2012 to compete in the New York City. It was the uh, my first Ironman. I had done triathlons, but it's a, it's a long race. It's a 140.6-mile race, so you begin with a 2.4-mile swim. I did that in the Hudson River, and you hop on the bike and go for a 112-mile bike ride. And then you hop off the bike and begin a marathon, 26.2-mile run. So, um, you know, one of the things I learned about it, it's amazing what a body can do when you push it. I trained for seven months, and six of those days were two days where I would wake up like 4 or 4.30 in the morning, do training in the morning, training in the evening. And, again, slowly over time, it's amazing what your body can do. So it took me 11 hours and, I think, 45 minutes to finish the race. Goal was under 12, so... I accomplished it nowhere near the pros that finished like in eight hours, but I was happy with my performance and the fact that I, I, I I've crossed the finish line.
0: That was, that was 11 years ago.
1: Do you, think, do you think
0: you can do it now?
1: <laughs> my wife has, funny, my wife asked me that the other day. I said, well, maybe when I retire, I just don't have the time to invest in the training now because I don't want to go out there and, uh, and not be able to finish, you know, funny story about that. I don't know if you remember this, Dr. Haynes, but, um, Miss Cherry was a PR director at the time. And she said, hey, Kajiano, uh, it would be great if we, we got the Daily Press to cover this. And so uh, I said, okay, sure. And so anyhow, there's, there's always something that goes wrong during an Ironman race. And it was my first race, and I didn't know. So anyhow, um, there was a sewage spill uh, north of the Hudson, and they were thinking about canceling the race north of the river. And so anyhow, they decided to go with the race. And, and, and long story short, I get into the water. I'm swimming. About halfway through the swim, I start vomiting profusely. And I'm thinking I've ingested all of this sewage. And so I, I didn't realize at the time, but what it was I, was, I was taking in salt water when I was breathing and it upset my stomach and I vomited in the water. So I get out of the water and I know I've, I've thrown up all my breakfast and now I've got a 112 mile bike ride and I'm saying, I'm gonna quit. There's no way I can do it. And so I'm just about to quit and I'm in the changing tent and I think back to Miss Cherry, who's on our board now. And I think back to people who are following me at home in a story. I said, no, you've got to pick it up and try to get back on the bike. So, I, anyhow, I got on the bike and was able to keep some calories down and finish the race. But if it hadn't have been for Ms. Cherry and that article, I might not say to you that I've, I've finished an Ironman as of today. So, yeah, maybe once in the future, but not not enough time right now to train for the race.
0: So that was definitely a motivational factor in the anointing with being covered by the Daily Press and, and our own Miss Cherry and executive Director of Public Relations and Marketing. So I do remember you're competing in that and and you're actually completing it as well. So kudos to you. It's something that I I don't think I could do. So (laughs) my hat goes off to you as well. I appreciate it. So let's get into a little bit about Hampton City Schools in this upcoming school year. Um, What do you think the new school year will look like coming into the year? I know we've done some... um, just completed our August leadership training and we had the mantra of excellence with intentionality and one community, one transformation. So what will you, what do you envision the new school year will look like or be?
1: Yeah. You know, when you shared with, uh, with the staff, as far as School administrators, select central office staff, about excellence with intentionality. And I know you gave a number of examples of of that already occurring in Hampton City schools, whether it's how folks are exceeding state expectations on on state tests or the, the climate and culture of a building is uh, above and beyond what anyone would expect. And so I think we're at a point in Hampton City Schools now where we've accomplished a lot academically. And that one of the things I like that we're seeing now is we're able to really narrow a focus. So, for example, uh, the work around the Academies of Hampton, Master Plan 2.0. And so we're the first division, as you know, in the nation to be designated a through K-12 um, ac- K-12 Academy, mm-hmm. and so uh, some of the work there now brings some of that down to elementary and middle school levels as far as opportunities for career awareness uh, and a- additional exposure, and so what students have an opportunity to look forward to as they as they look to high school and beyond. So, I think I think that uh, ability for us now that again that preliminary data that we're sharing, the state has shared with us, that we're 100% of our schools are again accredited without conditions. We're at a great space to try to um, really stretch ourselves a little bit further and continue to work with business partners, communities, school boards, city council, and so a lot of opportunities to take things to new heights, which is uh, what I'm most excited about.
0: And we are excited uh, with Ford designating us as uh, the first K-12 next generation learning community. Um, We're excited about what the Academies of Hampton brings to us in terms of uh, ensuring that we provide opportunities at the elementary and middle grades level to create these educational gifts or touch points within the curriculum that speak to the portrait of a Hampton graduate. I think when we started initially, we looked at the Academies of Hampton, or it was a high school transformation model. Uh, But with the onset of the um, overwhelming amount of support we've received from the community and business partnerships, we have since moved our mantra from one division, one transformation to one community, one transformation. And then looking at how all of that ties into the work that we do to ensure that we are having young people walk across the stage, college career and life ready. Had some conversations with the new teachers, um, new teacher orientation the other day and and talked Mm -hmm. about that portrait of a Hanford graduate and how it came about from those essential questions. What should our young people know understand and be able to do. And then from that emerge the portrait of a Hampton graduate and all the characteristics that are outlined in that. So in looking at that, I know you have done a lot of work on the front end from the curriculum instruction and assessment side in your previous role. Talk a little bit about how that will look how, when it's embedded into the curriculum. That makes it more relevant and it makes it more intentional in terms of the work we're doing overall as well. Yeah, ex-
1: exactly I, I think a good example of that is if you look you mentioned these signature experiences and so we have a lot of experiential learning opportunities for students in the high schools based on their career academy pathways but what we're doing now beginning this year bringing it down to the elementary and middle school levels and this year we're focusing on grades three through eight so a, a great example is the, the signature experience for all fifth graders this year is focused around career awareness so we define what this theme is and so They'll have like a culminating project at the end of the year. We're calling that a signature experience. And then what you mentioned, we're building in these touch points throughout the year in the curriculum. So it's not uh, something else that we're putting on teacher's plates. It's an opportunity for us to make room in the curriculum for, again, again, these, these touch points. So fifth grade career awareness. So that signature experience at the end of the year. After a fifth grader has learned some things about careers and different opportunities, uh, they'll have an opportunity at the end of the year then uh, to really host their own career fair, if you will. You know, a lot of times at the elementary school, I can think back to when I taught fifth grade. And when, for example, when you were principal at Aberdeen Elementary, we would have these annual career fairs Mm -hmm. where we would bring in, uh, adults and members of the community to talk about their career. We're, we're going to flip it a little bit and this will be fifth graders actually giving, if you will, an elevator speech to their peers. They'll have an opportunity to draft a resume and share with their peers, so that great opportunity to exercise oral communication as well, share with their peers where their interests are as of now and perhaps where they see themselves in the future and or what career pathway they might chose when, choose when they go to a high school in Hampton. So, so again, it's not
0: it's not necessarily that you know, when you talk about career fair, oftentimes you're thinking about companies coming in and talking about the, um, uh opportunities that are provided for them within their specific organizations. That's not what you're talking about with this, are you?
1: No. So that will probably be a part of the school year, for example, for fifth graders. And that'll be one of these touch points we're talking about. But the culminating experience, let's say you and I are both fifth graders. You're in one class. I'm in the other. And there are three classes. There'll be a chance for my class to share with the other classes. Um, You know, there'll be a chance to hear from me about what I see as my potential career Uh, in the future based on some of the research I've done this year as a fifth grader, based on some of the exposure I've had from a a, a traditional career fair that I've been exposed to, uh, some knowledge about the academies. So it's a chance for me to begin wheel spinning thinking about my future because as you know, and you've had some conversations even with fifth graders last year and their parents, um, that that, um, the earlier we can begin the exploration piece, uh, the more likely and the better position our students in by the are they in by the time they walk okay. across that stage, whether
0: it 's college um, college career or uh, life, ready. life ready so <clears throat> that's, that's a good point. when you're looking at this piece, that speaks to us making certain that they truly understand what it means when they enter our doors that we're going to keep a promise to them to ensure they are uh, Displaying all the characteristics of the portrait of a Hampton graduate. So when they walk across that stage on their graduation date, we sort of want to ask them that we keep our promise to you. Right, we, that's right. That we make certain that all of these characteristics that outline and expectations around academic accomplishments, collaboration, leadership, um, and working through problem based learning opportunities. That we keep our promise to you. Do you feel as though you're walking across that stage? reflecting the portrait of a Hampton graduate.
1: Yeah, you know, we've heard from our our employers uh, and the business community that they're not looking for students who can walk across the stage and just Google something. Right. Right. It it is those uh, critical thinking skills, the problem-solving skills, the communication, the collaboration. And so it's those things that are above and beyond the state's minimum expectations, the minimum standards of learning. We're embedding those into our curriculum to not only incorporate a little more rigor, but really real-world activities that we know. you think about the two of us in our careers, how closely they have paralleled. And, and a lot of that is we've we're not the smartest guys in the room, but we've picked up things along the way. And, and our ability to collaborate, work well with one another, communicate. It's those skills that that we keep hearing from our business communities that they want students,
0: whether they go to college or career uh, right after high school. Excellent points that critical thinking skills piece, as well as a collaboration and looking at making certain that you are comfortable surrounding yourself with folks who may be smarter than you and have skill sets at a higher level. And that just makes for a better team all around. And those are life skills that I think if you learn it at a very early age, will continue to serve you well in your future years. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and looking at how our, Careers have paralleled. I think I also shared, I believe I shared during the uh, new teacher orientation about how we would do a lot of collaboration together when yeah. I, we were both elementary principals and had joint staff meetings and even during our times at the middle school level. I also shared with them that each time, despite what we shared and had the playbook at my school still outperformed yours.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll we'll have to go back and look at the data. I think there were some instances and there were some where uh, we would take the lead, but it was that friendly competition that I think not only our staffs benefited from, but our students as well, because, uh, we, we tried to up one another. And again, it was for the the best interest of the division and the students. So a little fr- friendly competition. I know you've shared that with principals and meetings as well as, as, to have that healthy competition, it's, uh, in the end, it, it only benefits our students.
0: I agree. We compete with athletics, so why not compete with That's the right. academic yep. side of the ledger That's as right. well? Some good fun, but also looking at it from the perspective of making certain we compete to ensure we get the best out of our young people and, and ensuring that they're going to excel regardless of whether it's academics or athletics and have those skill sets prepared to take them to the next grade level as well. So talk to me about something that you are looking forward to this year.
1: Sure, one thing I'm looking forward to this year, I think, is the implementation of our hands-on science kits in the uh, elementary grade. You know, we have this HCS Enterprises where we've actually started to sell our curriculum to other divisions and so they subscribe to it on an annual basis and there are a number of things over the years this opportunity to be innovative in this division that the, the school board regardless of the makeup of the school board they've encouraged this this calculated risk-taking innovation and I think this is just another example where for several years we have paid a for-profit company to provide us with kits for science and a lot of it, it um it's been uh a bit of a dilemma replacing things, replenishing kits. Sometimes you have teachers leave and not everything is there. And so teachers inundated with the boxes and rooms. So we said, you know what, we could probably do this better ourselves. And so what we've done is one of the schools that we shuttered years back, Mallory, Mallory Elementary, is now a staging area or a warehouse. And we've even hired our students over the summer months to assist with this. But long story short, we're building our own kits. And it's like that HelloFresh principle. I don't know if you you use HelloFresh at home at all, where you order the food. (laughs) You you told me about it. I have not used it yet. It's good stuff, particularly if you're busy. So, you know, come prepackaged, all the food with a recipe. Easy for someone like me who can't cook to follow the directions. And so that HelloFresh principle we're going to deliver to teachers two weeks before the beginning of each unit a kit that has let's say the first unit for the first quarter has five science experiments in the kit with easy to follow directions everything you need you just open a box and can teach it and with additions uh, some resources to access and so um, teachers uh, we shared the idea with them last year got some feedback they've given us some feedback select teachers over the summer on the prototype of this kit and so uh, we think it's gonna be very beneficial we saw a significant increased last year for example in our grade five science scores based on some of the hands-on learning activities we incorporated and and it was interesting I don't know if you remember this I shared this with uh, Dr. Smith previous superintendent we know how we have students who come to the school board and they open up the school board Yes, you know, you know. I've, I've seen these meetings for years, and and I can't recall a time where it was like every fifth grader who came to speak before the school board this year, when the student rep on stage would say, "What's your favorite subject?" And almost I would say like nine out of ten of them said science. And we've never heard that. Absolutely, so that opportunity for kids to engage hands on. They're really they're they're, they're loving learning and which is what it's all about and so we're excited to see that grow we'll start with fifth year uh, fifth grade this year we'll expand to middle school and high school uh, the following year next year in biology so uh, very excited about seeing that come to fruition this year
0: i'm excited about it as well just to circle back we did see some significant gains in our science scores uh, from the previous year just based on these hands-on experiential learning uh, opportunities we provide as young people, correct? We did. Science right
1: now is one of the areas that will keep a school from being fully accredited or accredited uh, without conditions. So again, as I mentioned at the beginning of our talk, that uh, all of our elementary schools, grade five science particularly, all of our elementary schools met the mark last year And some of them grew. It was unbelievable. For example, we had schools that increased 40 percentage points or 35 percentage points in one year. Same kids, same adults for the most part, right? It was just that they had an opportunity to engage students in science as opposed to rote memorization from a textbook. And so that hands-on learning, even our virtual school students had the kits, and so they participated as well. And the goal was not to increase scores, as we've said before, just a byproduct of doing what's right, uh, so that the scores will come, and they, they sure did. So we're we're pleased to be able to share that. I think we're looking early early September to share that information with the board, but good stuff. Excellent. It
0: aligns beautifully with what the board has charged us to do, keep the main That's thing, right. the main <laughs> thing. That's right. Our core business of teaching and learning. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you and during our first podcast. It just is fitting. It would be fitting to know we're doing this together. We came in right. the system together, 29 years. <laughs> That's right. He did take a short hiatus and, and found the air of your ways and came <laughs> back to us. But um, I'm looking forward to the school year starting as well and looking forward to working alongside you and your role as Deputy Superintendent and Chief of Staff.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Dr. Haynes. Looking forward to uh, – thanks for having me on your first podcast. Going back to your text or Twitter that you read this morning – hopefully we did it okay. Um, (laughs) But I want to thank you for this opportunity for my current role and looking forward to working with you under your leadership. Very excited about your new position and superintendent of Hampton City Schools. And again, uh, the focus on excellence with intentionality. And so uh, we're seeing our enrollment grow and uh, I'm very confident this will continue under your leadership as well. So uh, again, looking forward to this next chapter for both of our, our professional
0: careers. Absolutely. We're starting school year off with 100% of our schools fully accredited without conditions. And I start the school year off as superintendent in a city and community that has given so much to me as a child and even in my profession as well. So I am looking forward to paying it back and paying it forward too. So... All right. So thanks for joining us for our very first episode of Hampton City Schools Talks or HCS Talks. We will be back again. In the meantime, remember, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. As one community, one transformation, we will ensure academic excellence for every child, every day, whatever it takes. Until next time.